Hi, uh, Hello. welcome to the show. Uh, how about you introduce yourself? Hi, uh, I'm Raymond from Secret Base, uh, uh, indie game developer in, located in Singapore. Okay, and um, yeah, so so what's Secret Base about? Uh, what's what's the game studio focused on? Sorry. Uh, what's the game studio focused on? So, what types of games uh, does Secret Base make? Uh, we didn't really focus on a specific genre or anything like that. Um, we come up with game ideas that we think is fun, and we work on that. And um, you know, how did the how did the studio get started? What inspired you to to start your own studio? Um, well, for a start, um. The studio, the so-called studio, is just me. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we started. F- I started from uh, two years ago because uh, the local. That that there wasn't an indie scene in Singapore. Uh, the government was actually trying to help. You know, push game development, and uh, they were providing funds and grants and stuff like that. So I gave it a shot. So from there, you know, I made a few games. Previously, I have. I have a uh, Toby's Vertical Adventure on Xbox Live indie games, and I decided to you know make uh, let things be more serious and and you know uh, decided to set up my my own studio to 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 do it <clears throat> full time and stuff. Okay, so you mentioned the Xbox Live game. So was that done under the Secret Base Studio, or was that before you started the studio? Um, well, I was also working on it full-time then, but uh, I got the name Secret Base only recently. Previously, it was known as Radioactive. Okay. And um, so you said the government in uh, Singapore was trying to promote uh, game development. Um, is, is there a big indie scene in Singapore? Can you talk about the game development environment in Singapore and whether you find it constructive or, or how do you like it? Um, well, the... The indie scene in Singapore um, is pretty different from the the Westerners because in in this case we have a uh, government support and stuff like that, so it's a bit more business like. I think um, in a country like US or Europe countries, you guys have um, more of these um, companies that actually, or rather, really do it out of passion and. And, and stuff like that. In Singapore, we have a lot of, uh, we have that also, but we have a lot of companies that are actually doing it uh, in a small company uh, business-like kind of mentality. Okay. And when you, you know, when the government tries to help you guys out, what kind of support do they offer? Is it just they give you money? Do they give you um, advertising? What, what are they, how, how is the government helping out developers there? Um, the government is actually putting in a lot of effort. Um, they they provide fundings for us, and you know they actually um, a few years ago they have mentorship. So they actually let us they you know they bring in the the bigger players um, or even a publisher to to come over to Singapore. You know, host different events and let us get a chance to talk to them. Uh, these are chances that. Are very rare for for you uh, and stuff. Yeah. So, did you have a mentor then uh, when you started out, or or what kind uh, of su- suggestions did you get um, from some of the bigger companies when you got started? 
well, I didn't really get to have a very strict mentorship because that was before I came into the picture. Okay. Yeah. By the time I started, uh, it was more towards uh, funding and stuff. Okay. So, so you get funded. Um, do they tell you what type of game to make? How did you decide what to do with the funding? Um, well, it's pretty cool. We actually get to um, propose the kind of games that we, we want to make. And they will have this pitching session and interviews and stuff like that. So uh, it's not... It's still indie. It's not like um, everything has to be very, um, <clears throat> you know, business-like. But uh, you can, they go for innovative ideas. Okay. So, okay. Um, <laughs> um, also, I think, uh, like, is the, you know, the, I think there's the MIT... Uh, Singapore Gambit Lab. Yeah, um, is that is that something that you and other developers um, participate in or hang around, or how how important is that lab to the scene there? Well, I know the Gambit Lab is uh, <clears throat> um, they provide this opportunity for the students um, in Singapore to go to actually have a chance to go. To the U.S. to the, the MIT lab to okay. to work together with them on on all the games and stuff, <clears throat> and that's in a lot of times uh, the first time for the students to actually work on a game. Okay, um, so so you get this funding. Um, you know what was the what was the first game you made then with with the funding that you got? Um. The first game I made was actually on Flash. It's a uh, Galactic Commando, which I collab with uh, a friend of mine, uh, Tutor from Tutor Chen. He is uh, currently he has his own studio right now um, under the name Explosive Barrel, I think. Okay. So, yeah, that that was the first game. You know how is so see. Was it just you two, or did you have to hire other people to help fill out other parts of the game? Yeah, we we needed to do that. Uh, maybe the audio parts, and uh, I handle most of the artwork, but we get some freelancers here and there. Yeah. So, can you talk about the uh, the game design of the game, um, uh, just for the audience, so they have a better idea of what the game's about? The first game that I worked on was a little bit like uh, Lost Viking. It's about three uh, different characters, a uh, ninja, uh, uh, a guy with a shield, and, and a heavy weapon. So you switch among them, and you try to get to an objective. Okay, so so is it like an adventure game then? Adventure puzzle game? or um, uh... I would say that it's more like a platforming puzzle game. Okay, and um, what? So you you started this game. How long did it take you to finish it? I think it was around five months, from pre-production to to the end of the project. Uh, it was actually a simple game, but because um, everyone was new, so yeah. it especially long to do it. Were you guys all working uh, in the same physical location, or was it remote development? 
Yeah, uh, we all work from our individual home. Okay. And what were some of the challenges uh, while you were developing the game? Uh, any surprises or any issues that came up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, for one, it's the first game, so yeah. that alone need, you know, a, a, a lot of surprise for in that to begin with. Um, and also because of the fact that we we don't have a lot of um, developers in Singapore, so or rather most of them are, are guys working in big companies. They might not want to do you know smaller games and stuff, especially back then. So it was a bit hard to get people to help out. So I think during the first one or two months into development, the programmer decide decided to to leave the to, to leave the project. So I was friended with uh, no one to carry on for, for, for a while. Um, and what, what platform was the game developed on? Like, uh, it was on Flash. Okay, Flash. And so, so your developer decides to leave. What, um, you know, how did you handle that? Did you have to just redo the code um, again? Or were you able to find someone to just pick it up, or, or how did you deal with that issue? That seems like a pretty critical issue. Yeah, we well um, at the time, like I mentioned, because I I haven't worked with anyone uh, overseas before at that time, yeah. so what I did was that I I went online and tried to search through, uh, um, I, I tried to search through local local developers. You know, I managed to find. Uh, Luther, which is um, one of the very few developers here in Singapore that have a lot of experience with Flash. So I talked to him, you know, and he was uh, interested to work with me too. So I showed him the project and, you know, he jumped on the board. Did you, at any point, did you think of actually just trying to hire someone abroad or just someone remotely where you can just have them finish it up? Or were you still, why, why did you still try to look for someone locally? Um... I haven't. The the main reason is because I haven't worked with anyone, you know, uh, that isn't local yet. So I don't know if there's gonna be any culture crash or anything like that. Okay. You know, the way we handle the work, you know, the the deadlines and stuff like that. Um, it can be. I know that it can be a disaster when when things happen. Plus, it was a it was actually a funded project by the government, so there is still some uh, paperwork involved where we have to. You know, uh, let I understand that the the um, the main part of the game is developed in Singapore, yeah. And also at the same time, we we need to be able to make sure of certain progress and stuff like that because we have to we have to report uh, milestones, you know, and stuff. Yeah. Um. So since you had to do reports um to the government, how did you how did you deal with the issue of your programmer not being there anymore? I mean. Did you have to include that in the report, or did you just quickly find someone else so that it, you know, it was smooth? Um, yeah, thankfully we we were able to do that, uh, so it wasn't too much of an too much of an issue. Okay. Uh, yeah, we I managed to find the the other guy uh, before. I mean, the the government in the first place they they were quite flexible with with the progress as long as uh, things are done, you know. Okay. So. Uh, then the new programmer, he was, you know, very quick with his stuff. So, in fact, we catch up more than we intended to. So, that's good. Yeah. So, so you get a new programmer. Um, you catch up. Uh, were there any other challenges uh, 
aside from the programmer. Uh, were there any gameplay issues or anything else that you had to change while you were developing the game and playing it and um, testing it out? Yes. Well, like I said, that was my first game. So during then, you know, we made a lot of uh, beginner mistake. I have ideas of game design back then. You know, I read nothing about it. I I just played a lot of games and decided, you know, I made some advertising games in my in my previous company, uh, my day job and all. But that was it. So um, a lot of things, you know, when you start working on it, you realize that they are impossible to work on. For example, uh, some of the game design are ridiculous. You know, they are over complex and uh, impossible for a two-man team or three-man team to work on. Yeah. And um, so how, how, do you, how do you communicate that to the rest of the team? So, you know, you're working on this project, you have a developer. Um, is, is How do you keep the developer happy? Because, you know, your developer wants to just get the thing done. And you as a game designer have to keep on prototyping and experimenting. And, um, you know, how do you reconcile the fact that developers don't like to keep on iterating on the code, especially if they're not really designing it? And, but at the same time, you have to do that because to make the game fun, it's going to require constant iteration. I think for us, it, was, uh, it wasn't too bad. Uh, the programmer was very understanding. They, like I said, um, he was a bit more experienced than me. So when he spot, spot something that is not going to work, he will, he will pull me back. Plus, um, my brother, who is also working as a level designer, he... I get a lot of advice. So one of the things that I did was that I, I listened to a lot of people, you know, um, comments and advice and stuff like that before we actually uh, get working on certain stuff. <clears throat> so that helps in, in the sense that, you know, we, we still wasn't making that much mistake uh, of, you know, doing the work and throwing them all away and only coming back to them to redo you know, all over again. Okay. And, you know, while you were progressing on this project, what changes did you make in your game design understanding or game design skills to finally finish the game? Uh, you said that you had to simplify things. Were there any other things that you learned while you were doing this project to help make your future games better? Well, the main, the main one was definitely, you know, simplifying things, uh, not just the game design-wise, but the visual or the, you know, the level designing and all that kind of stuff. That was the main thing. Uh, apart from that, then um, I think the whole, the work structure, um, from, from then on, we, we, I, I think I have better ideas how to take up uh, uh, the procedure to, to work on certain things, you know work on the prototype first, you know, to then further on to the features and stuff like that. Before that, I was, you know, jump, jumping around here and there and that was horrible. Yeah. Were there any other surprises uh, that happened uh, while you were developing this game? Hmm. Let me think. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that, that, was, a, that was the main one. Uh, the... So Okay. Um, so so you you finished this game, right? So it took five man, months. 
uh, you finished the game. Did you do any playtesting while you were developing the game, or did you wait until after you finished the game? Um, I did, but that was a uh, pretty minimal compared to what I'm doing right now. Uh, back then, I was just getting like, you know, three or four friends when they come over for coffee. You know, just grab. I'll just grab them and make them play the game a little bit. Um, in fact, I was a little bit. Uh, I was kind of scared to let people see the game back then because. Uh, there, apparently there's this phase where you always feel that your game is not good enough and it was the first time I'm doing it so I didn't I didn't know that it's a, it's a pretty common thing so I just keep thinking that oh man this game is gonna flop so bad um, yeah so so how did you finally force yourself to keep you know to, to actually show it to your friends I think one of the concerns that I've seen with other um, indie developers is that you know they don't they don't feel the game is perfect yet or it, it's it just may not be fun enough and they don't want to make uh, kind of look bad or lose face in front of their friends so so how did you get over that hurdle um, well like, like I mentioned because uh, my my brother is already uh, someone who has who has experience? So he already mentioned to me countless time that, uh, you know, when he see that it's ready for for play testing, he will he will he will push me to do it. So for my case, I guess I w- I wasn't quite ready to do it, but I had to do it anyway. So I I just just start showing them, and it was actually for the better because uh, after people try it for a while, you know, they <clears throat> they actually give me uh, a bit of confidence boost. You know, like saying that you know such and such is isn't so bad, or I see that you know they are actually enjoying themselves, and from then on it helps the development in the case that I don't always think think that the things are not working, yeah. and it helps. Yeah, um, you know I think I think you're right in that sense that um, when you see people respond to your game, I think it you know it gives you a better sense of what's going right and what you. Yeah what you can do now you mentioned that um now you do it a little differently so what are you doing differently now with your play testing versus um what you did then when you were when you developed the game um well i think this time around the i'm still not getting a a, doing a public uh play testing as in i get 10 20 people to test my my game or anything like that uh i didn't get the chance to do that but I actually did um, get uh, quite a few friends every, every once in a while I can, you know, to actually sit down and watch them play, you know, all the proper playtesting procedure. They, they would sit down and they would play and I would just stand behind, you know, taking notes of all the things that they are doing, you know, and ask them questions regarding understanding their personal preference towards yeah. So, so once you finished your game, um, what what was the next step? So, so it took you five months. You finished the game. Um, what's what's after that? I mean, because your studio. Yeah. What what did you do next? Um, I think we the game was on Flash, so we did what um, most developers would do. Flash developers would do. You know, we look for sponsorship and all that kind of stuff. So did you go on Flash Game License or did you, um, how did you look for sponsorship and 
Um, was that the only business model you were going to use? Did you look at virtual currency? Did you look at um, video ads and stuff like that? Or, um, yeah, how did you go about monetizing your game? At that time, no, it was more for, for putting out for sponsorship. In fact, we didn't even go through a Flash Game license. Um, my, my programmer was actually, had already released a few games before. So he know a few portals that were, were, were like the game and we went straight to the portals instead. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. You know, Sorry. For, oh, for okay. the things like virtual currency and all that because it was the first game and we didn't have experience on that and we, we, we didn't try it. I don't think at that time it was, uh, there was as much info and you know, uh, it wasn't as established compared to the, what they have right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you go directly to portals. Um, how did you contact them and what were some of the issues that came up uh, when you were doing that? Um, like I say, because my uh, the, the programmers had already worked with them before, so it was pretty easy going. Uh, he already knew what are the kind of stuff they will need, you know, like um, tracking and all that kind of stuff. So it was quite pretty straightforward. There wasn't much of an issue. Um, okay, so you uh, was there any specific portal that said, hey, we want to have exclusive sponsorship? Or, or what was the next step? So you contact these people. What happened? And how long did this process take? Um, well, the whole process of uh, selling the, the exclusive license and all that wasn't wasn't too tedious. We, I think we started talking to them before the game was actually completed. So, so, so it makes the, the thing a, a lot faster. But I think for them, they have their concerns when they buy a game, they want to hold it up for a, you know, a better timing before they, they release it to the public and all that kind of stuff. So it actually took another month or so before they actually released the game uh, upon submission to them. Um. Okay, so you release it, you get sponsorship money. Um, how are you feeling at that point? What What are your thoughts about the game studio and, um, you know, running your own studio? What, yeah, what's what are you feeling at that point? Uh, it was a while back, so I can't remember exactly. But I think the main thing was that. Uh, uh, I mean, that was a sense of accomplishment because it was the first game that we uh, that I that I did, and <clears throat> it was a lot harder than I thought. Uh, at certain time, I actually thought that it can it cannot be completed, you know, stuff like that. So when I really did so, it was a huge relief. So, and then to able to be able to sell it through a channel before <clears throat> before that, I was thinking, you know, uh, at the very initial, it was to make a prototype. Yeah. Uh, so. You were actually able to finish the game and stuff like that, so I'll, it was a huge bonus for me. And plus the fact that once the game was released to the public, you know there was a lot of uh, very positive feedback, and the portal uh, E4 actually uh, showcased the game on the feature page and stuff like that. So uh, we got a bit of attention and all, and it was great. Yeah. So let's talk about the positive feedback. Did you have players specifically email you afterwards, or? Um, by positive feedback, what do you exactly mean? 
Well, they most of them they left comments on the on the on on, on the page itself. So you get a lot of uh, the the players' feedback on the, on the flash game page. Um, then there's also reviewers. You know, uh, Jay's game. Uh, a, a lot of flash game review reviewers also mentioned about the games, giving it like four stars. So stuff like that, which was a huge confidence boost. Um, you know, after you released it, did you work on the game some more? Did you make changes based on feedback from players, or did you just take a break or focus on your next game? Um, we, I think we fixed a few bugs, uh, but it was mainly uh, things like that, uh, bugs and UI, uh, much less of game game design stuff. And, um. Okay, so you get positive feedback. You finish this game. Um, what's uh, what are you thinking next? What's what's on your mind? Um, and yeah, where what, what was the studio going to do next? At the time, we uh, I was actually collaborating with the programmer, so he already have a few projects on hand that he he wanted to work on. So at that time, we moved. Um, Galactic Commando was sort of my game. You know, I designed the whole thing and stuff. So we move on to working this game, you know, where he is in charge of the game design and I will be working on the art direction, artwork, stuff like that. So we went to, to work on that. So it was pretty fast. You know, yeah. There wasn't too much break in between. And, and how did you feel about the role change going from game designer to art um, to, um, you know, working on someone else's design and doing the art stuff? Well, I didn't mind. Uh, for one, it was actually a relief uh, after you know hanging on to a, a project for so long. So when I switched over, uh, I took it as a as a break. You know, you don't have to keep thinking about uh, artwork is is something that I've been working for as long as I know. So it was like uh, you know just going along with it. And plus the fact that uh, my programmer was actually uh, more experienced designer than I was okay. so so I also take the time to to learn a few things and in fact that was the time that I, I started reading up on on game designs and, and stuff like that so when you say reading up on game design what did you exactly do and um, yeah what would you say then yeah how did you become a better designer um well, for a time, I have always been someone who believed in research. So even before I, I did my first game, uh, one of the things I did was that I go through all the, I, I think at that time, Frogsource uh, and IndieGames.com, they have all these top 100 indie games. I went through uh, most of them that got my interest uh, as a research. That was before my first game. But uh, that was just playing other people's games. Uh, once I decided that I I, ha I want to, you know, take this further, uh, I start reading out on books, and I think at that time there was already a lot of uh, game theory uh, articles on on the online, and I start looking into it, and it was also at that time that I start uh, watching video clips like uh, people play play through of a classic game, and they they would give feedback and stuff like that, and I would listen to. What they, what they feel about the game while they are playing it, and I think that also helped uh, tremendously for for the game that I 
eventually. Okay. Um, so you're developing your game design skills. You're working on the artwork. Can you can you talk about the game that uh, that you and your programmer worked on next? What was it about, and what type of game was it? Oh, sorry, your voice got cut off just now. Oh, so sure. I, uh, yeah. So what was the game about, and um, yeah, if you could describe it, what the genre was, and what was the game design of that new game that you guys worked on? Oh, um, I think that game was actually never released until now. So I'm not sure if I, I, I can go into it because I'm pretty sure it's still going to launch it. Okay. Uh, eventually we, we parted. So uh, the, the games belong to him and stuff like that. <laughs> okay. Um, so... Okay, so this this game was it then done under your studio, or was it considered his game, and then your studio helped out with it? Can you talk about um, how that was arranged? Um, yes, we. I mean, we 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 were pretty cool about it. So we just um, those that those that we go by pretty much go by the whoever produced and designed the game, uh, holds ownership to the game. For example, Galactic Commando was mine, so uh, I, I hold on to the, you know, if we were to do the so-called IP and all that. Um, <clears throat> we are still friends, so uh, <laughs> Explosive Barrel, you know, they have their logo on the on the game. At the time, uh, Explosive Barrel was supposed to be me and him, so, yeah. but I was, I was okay with it. So, you know, whatever helped to sell sell your, your, your studio and all that, I'm fine with it. So he 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 still put up Galactic Commando on his side, uh, because he was very involved in the games, and I think it's only fair that he do so. Um, okay, so how long did the second game take, and what were some of the challenges that you ran into while you were doing it? Um, sorry, I just remember something. Sure. Uh, before Galactic Commando, uh, when he joined, I actually helped him finish up. Uh, one of his game, uh, that was Four Hat Samurai Two. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if you heard about the game. You know, uh, we work on that. So, um, eventually, after that, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I actually forgot about your question. <laughs> oh yeah, no, 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 that's fine. Um, so what I was asking is that how long did the second game take, and um, what were some of the challenges that happened while you guys were developing the second game? Okay, so during the the next game after Galactic Commando, we um, we since he he was the one who was in charge of the game design, uh, and he seems to have the design in mind for quite a while, so it was pretty straightforward. Uh, there wasn't much of an issue. Um, we were working on it quite smoothly, except for the fact that you know at that time we were. We were thinking about changing, doing a transition from before that. We were we were always doing vectors, so I was thinking about going to work on pixel art and all that kind of stuff. So we try a bit here and there, and it didn't work out. We have to redo the artwork and and go back to vector, and that was pretty much the the problem with the game. Other than that, things was pretty smooth. Pretty much thanks to the first experience on Galactic Commando, I think. Now, you mentioned that um, since he originated the game design idea, he got to keep the IP. Yeah. Um, so how did that 
did that cause an issue because you know you have your own company and you know you're accountable to the government because of the funding and stuff like that how do you how do you reconcile that with the fact that he's going to control or own the ip and stuff like that oh uh, no the governor was um a game basis they they fund us according to each project oh okay so it, cool wasn't a funding for the company yeah so when we split the ips and all that kind of stuff it was uh it wasn't too much of an issue either so it was just mainly you know the two of as long as we are we are good with it you know we can we we don't have to account it to, to anybody else so after the second game um you know you've improved your game design skills also you've been practicing what was the next step after that um, at the time, there was another call for proposal from the government. So what we did, uh, what they offered was that um, they are willing to, you know, give us a grant if we were to make a game on Xbox Live in the games. Oh, okay. So we actually, I actually continued to do so. Um, I took up the grant and developed uh, Toby's Vertical Adventure. Okay, and what's that game about? Uh, Toby's Vertical Adventure is a classic platformer. So basically, you play as Toby. You know, he's a he's an explorer and an otaku. So he he he's being dragged by his girlfriend to to go on a treasure hunt. So during the treasure hunt, is a bit of cave exploration. You have to climb all the way down to the to a treasure chest at the bottom of the stage. Once you take the treasure, the the level will start to break down and collapse, and the level design will sort of change. Plus the fact that you are now climbing up instead of uh, coming down, so uh, the level design will change, and you have to play your way all the way through to escape before the cave crumbles. Um, That's not sense. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh, <laughs> The the thing is with Xbox Live, that's a different language. So did you have to get another programmer to? To handle it, how did you go about um, developing for Xbox Live? Um, he was still helping me a bit. Uh, he he was co-producing, you know, uh, and stuff. But we at that time because the project was a bigger scale, and at that and we are switching over to, you know, working on X and A. So we actually got help from from a from a friend, uh, one who who actually work on. Uh, who actually work on the programming later. Yeah. Um, were there any other challenges while you're developing this game? Uh, did you run into any game design issues? Uh, and what other, yes, what other surprises happened while you're developing the game? Um, I think the most uh, issue we had was the... Well, development-wise, the issue we had was... Um, we, I, I was a bit uh, overflow with uh, workload because the I was over ambitious with you know trying to make the artwork beautiful and all that kind of stuff. So I couldn't get too involved into the game design. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it was and everything was going at the same time. So there was there wasn't things like you know uh, enough time for us to plan for 
pre-development, concept art and stuff like that. Everything has to start at the, at the same time. So that was a bit uh, causing hiccups on the later part. Uh, especially towards the end of the project, we have this issue where <clears throat> we overshot our deadline by a lot. So uh, we have to do a lot of quick fix to the game and it caused, our, it caused some issues with the release where we know that there was certain problems that wasn't fixed but anyway. And um, that affected the sales greatly because on Xbox Live Indie Games, you know, when you release a game, the chance of you getting enough exposure is the uh, first few weeks and stuff. So once the player tried the game and they find buggy, they, they will walk away from it. You know, so we try to do patches and stuff, uh, but it didn't really took off after that. Um, yeah, how did you, I mean, how do you like developing for Xbox Live versus Flash? Because uh, Flash seems like you can easily update it more quickly, you know, and so it's, it's a totally different market. Which, which market do you prefer? Um, if it's Xbox Live Indie Games versus Flash, I probably have to say Flash. Um, for a start, Flash is. Uh, I was a I was a designer back then, as in a multimedia designer. So I was already familiar with Flash myself. Okay. Okay, on X and A, I have to depend largely on the on the programmers. You know, they have to guide me. Uh, if I were to do level design, they guide me where to edit and stuff like that. So it's a bit harder to work on. Uh, audience wise, then um, audience wise, the good thing about working on Xbox Live Indie games is that you already knew that your audience are people that are probably hardcore gamers. You know, they own an Xbox, so they're probably familiar with a lot of uh, games lingo and, you know, if you, double jump is not something that is rare to them or anything like that. But on Flash, you probably have to do a bit more explanation, very detailed tutorial and stuff like that. Okay, so, so you finish the game, you release it, um, on Xbox Live, mm -hmm. um, what what's the next step after that? Um, I think we actually took a bit of time to work on our promotional material. So there was this phase where we were working constant, where we have to get through a peer review. So we have a bit of time before the game is released. So okay. we work on things like a uh, games manual, or uh, box art you know, promo arts and stuff like that to send it to different uh, reviewers, you know, get them interested uh, in our games. So, um, <clears throat> and then after that, we, we I, I have to, I work on, like say, uh, the so-called marketing stuff. Uh, talk yeah. to reviewers, yeah, journalists. Yeah. Um, can you talk more about the marketing that you had to do to promote your games? Um, I think mainly... It's still okay. We did the we did the basic stuff. We have a video trailer. We uh, we have a video trailer. We send emails to 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 journalists, you know, and review copies of the games and all that. So uh, that was the basic stuff. It was the first time that we I actually have to handle marketing because previously on Flash it was pretty straightforward. You know? oh, yeah. So this time have to handle press uh so-called game release you know and 
uh, I think cases like uh, forums like Tixos and uh, indie games, they actually pro Gamma Sutra, you know, provide some pretty good information on how to go about doing all these. So I took the time to read them up and try to follow. <clears throat> and how did you feel uh, releasing something for Xbox? Did that add more legitimacy or or do you feel, did it feel the same as just releasing on Flash? Um, I think for one, seeing your game on on a big TV is yeah. uh, <laughs> on print, you know. Uh, it feels like you are you are actually doing a, a, a bigger game. I don't know if it's just a bigger screen, but it feels like... Okay. You know. <clears throat> so, well, um, yeah, other than that, I think it was, uh, it was also getting more publicity. On Flash, I think maybe because there has already been so much more Flash games um, <clears throat> that you... It's, there's so many flash games a day that um, there is so many random publicity on, on different games and all that kind of stuff. So it's hard to find in the first place. Whereas on Xbox Live indie games, uh, the people there are always trying to push um, for more people to know about SPLIG. So <clears throat> in this case, you get to read more details, feedback, you know, articles uh, on what the reviewers think, actually think about the game. So that was pretty cool. So after this game, um, what was the next step? What are you guys thinking in terms of the next type of game you guys are going to do? I think after the game, the, uh, I think after the game, although uh, we had some issues, uh, like I mentioned, there were bugs, uh, especially this issue where we have uh, the controls are only available for the D-pad and not on the analog stick, which a lot of players had problems with. So we spent a huge time, you know, uh, debugging all these, releasing patch um, and stuff. And eventually, uh, during this period, uh, a publisher actually approached us and was interested to bring the game over to PS, PSN. Okay. So we, for, for a long period, we were actually, you know, going back and forth on that and not working on, on anything else. Uh, until I think a few months later that uh, I decided because the, the, the deal doesn't seem to take off so I decided that maybe I should you know start on the next game and when I start, started working on Bikejacker which is the game that I'm going to release soon okay and um, so so did you guys then port it over to PSN or um did you just focus on Byte Checker? Um, the, well, PSN, we never really took off. We were always in talk uh, with, the, with the publisher, okay. uh, discussing how to do and stuff like that. But because we were always thinking that you know, we are going to do it on PSN, uh, so we keep holding back. So Byte Checker started only when we know more or less that it's probably not going to be ported. So there was no work on PSN. Um, what's what's Bytejacker about? Um, well, Bytejacker is actually a, a sort of a co collaboration with the the internet game review program. Uh, that is B Y T E J A C K E R. 
Okay. Uh, so the game is B-I-T-E, but it's a, it's a zombie game. So we collab uh, with the host to, <clears throat> to release the game based on them, uh, Anthony Carboni and John Rivera. So they are the players and they are trying to survive this epic zombie apocalypse. Okay. Um, what, um, so what type of game, what kind of game genre would you say this is in? Um, well, it's, a, it's definitely a, sh- a shooter. Uh, it's not a twin stick shooter because that is no stick. This is more like uh, the old school flash zombie shooter. Yeah. And yeah, so, so did you then decide to just stick to flash for this game? Or what, how did you decide what platform to use for this game? Um, yeah, I decided to go with Flash because I have the most experience. Uh, I knew that this game was going to be of a certain size. So I thought that, you know, I just go back to my roots and do something that I am familiar with so that I don't have to be worrying about the, the technical stuff, you know, and I can concentrate on the artwork and the game design this time around. Yeah, and how long did the uh, game take to make? I think if we include things like you know pre-production, post-production, it took around seven to eight months, which is really long for a flash game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, how are you dealing with um, that long development cycle? Um, what were some of the challenges that happened? Um. I think the biggest challenge for for the long development cycle is now the mental part because you yeah. have been facing the same game for so long. So uh, to a certain extent, it gets so tedious and even times, you know. And when we test our own game, you no longer get the the kind of freshness you get uh, because everything so so uh, you already know everything by heart. Yeah. So the, <laughs> Game's extremely easy for you, and I keep adjusting the game to be harder. So that sucks, especially when I when I get a playtester, they are going to have problems with that, you know. Um, yeah, how do you how do you keep yourself motivated? Uh, because this was it took longer to make this title. Um, well, uh, I think I I sort of knew it beforehand that uh, this production will take a bit of time. So uh, when things start to get dull, uh, we actually went off to make another, uh, to, to do a bit of pre-development for another game. You know, so, so to, from, from Backjacker for a while. Um, <clears throat> and then before coming back to it, but we were all, at that time we were just fixing bugs for it, you know, stuff like that. And then we also spoke to different developer, developers, you know, we showed them our games, you know, they, <clears throat> I think developer feedback are a bit different from usual normal player feedback. So they gave us some uh, pretty good stuff, comments and, and stuff like that, which helps to, <clears throat> helps to, you know, uh, motivate us. And actually this time, this time around the games were, um, have cameos of, uh, characters from other indie games, so yeah. we actually some of them in the game, and you know, like say they they were happy about it. They tell us how happy they are. It's it's just happy to see their comments and all. 
Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about this concept of to to keep things engaging and interesting. You actually do development or pre-development for another game. Um, how did you do that? So was it like half the week was on one game and then half the week was on another game? Um, yeah, can you talk about that more? Um, we have uh, another two programmers working on this, um, KY and PH. Um, they, they, they were both working on this. So during the time it was towards the, it was actually towards the end of development. I was doing a lot of balancing and stuff. So what I did was that um, we started uh, pre-development for, for another game using some older, older graphic. You know, uh, so that we didn't have to handle the graphical part. You know, PH would uh, start playing around with the with the coming out with the new engine and stuff, and KY, uh, he would help me out with because we, we at that time we needed a website, so he helped me out with that. <clears throat> okay, um, that was the time we. Okay, so uh, that concludes uh, part one of the interview. Um, Thanks again for your time. And for part two, for the listeners out there, uh, we'll just go over um, what happened or you know, some of what's, what's next in store for your studio. So um, uh, join us then for the next show uh, where we conclude this interview. Thanks.